He blows goats. I have proof. He's, it's the exact character he always plays. He's, oh, man. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creative of the Town podcast brought to you by us over at AtoZHorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is Jake. You want to get drunk and fool around, Jack? <laughs> it's next to Jake is someone else who's got city hands. It's Mark. Ahoy, gentlemen. For those of you unfamiliar with our Crackjack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. And this week, Mark, we finally watched a banger here, for sure. A I mean, bona fide yeah, banger. Hard to argue with. We watched 1975's Jaws, which was a pick from Patreon member John. John, thank you very much for the support and the pick, and we will dive all the way into Jaws real <laughs> soon, and when we do, we're going to spoil the absolute nonsense out of it. Fair warning on that. And hey, if you like what we do and want to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash A to Z horror, that's A-T-O-Z horror, and support the show at your level of choosing and get some cool perks for your troubles. And like we said last week, we're pretty excited about what we're doing right now, which is donating the entirety of our Patreon proceeds to Feeding America. And that way you get to come hang out with us on Patreon, you get access to the cool benefits like the bonus podcast every other week uh, that comes out at, at what, the $10 a month level. Uh, there's access to back catalogs there's a bunch of stuff going on over there and whatever tier you donate at you'll get access to those perks and you'll know your money is going to a much more worthy cause than our stupid endeavor because it'll be going to feeding america for at least the next three months but for now it's time to do the getting drunk part so let's score let's do beers for fears hey mark hello what are your beers for the 1975 movie Jaws? Yeah, absolutely. I got a bit of a stretch this week. I'm ready and willing to admit that. In an effort to keep things local, um, <laughs> I sought out the literal one brewery that is even remotely nautical-themed in Salt Lake City, uh, which okay. is Salt Fire Brewing. So uh, they have a beer called Charlotte Sometimes. This is a summer blonde ale. So the reason I picked this is... Basically twofold. One, it is actually a decidedly nautical-themed can. Their uh, their logo is an anglerfish with a hop as the little uh, bulb thing. I like that. I like um, that. So anglerfish, scary aquatic creature. Not quite a shark, but still pretty creepy. Um, and then they do have also this little branding of like the old-timey scuba diver guy. Um, and then the other thing, kind of like what we talked about last week on the Patreon cast, uh, as far as like beer styles go, this movie is a summer blonde ale to a summer Absolutely. blonde Absolutely, right? yeah. So Hell yeah. that's what I got. Charlotte sometimes by Salt Fire Brewing here in Salt Lake City. That's pretty solid. Now, I have ventured outside the local beers thing this week, but I've done, you know, it's like uh, when I go to Chick-fil-A, you have to do Chick-philanthropy, right? I buy a meal at Chick-fil-A, I have to donate twice that amount to an LGBTQIA charity uh, as penance for having eaten at a horrible uh, shop. <laughs> you so, could just, you know, hold I, on, you could just not eat at Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A is gross. Uh, Chick-fil-A is fucking delicious. They're okay. just morally gross. It's kind of a bad but... take, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just that fantastic. we do we get them to cater our lunches sometimes, and maybe it's just that they're not doing their sandwiches or whatever. Like... They're doing the, the individual pieces of chicken or something like that. I gotta yeah, that's my own stupid. You get the that Chick-fil-A sandwich and a cup of coffee, and the man looks at you and what? says that'll be five American dollars, and it's unbelievably delicious, and then you donate $10 to an LGBTQIA charity. Anyway, so I'm doing a similar thing to Chick-fil-Anthropy here, where I got a non-local beer, but... 
I'm also drinking twice as much local beer. So I'm I bought a 12 pack of Rustler and I'm cruising through this 12 pack of Rustlers, boys. I'm a little tuned up already. Uh, I'm drinking a lot of those. But the beer I chose for the movie Jaws, I couldn't not buy it. I was at the store and I didn't even know this beer existed. It's an Inkasi beer. It's called okay. Megalodom. Okay, yeah. Uh, it is a legendary IPA. I don't know how yep. much of this can you boys can see here. It is a giant shark, uh, either terrorizing or saving the city of Atlantis. And look at the shape the ABV is in there. It's like the actual Jaws logo mouth that they put the 10% ABV in there. Uh, yep. So I got a bunch of, of these 16-ounce cans of 10% ABV legendary IPAs. And uh, I've had two of them so far, and they get the job done. <laughs> so I'll say that right now. Jake, how about you? <laughs> Plus, Ninkasi is good stuff. I mean, we're not, if it's not Boise local, it's at it's least Northwest. regional. We're keeping yeah, it in states that at least touch Idaho at this point as we branch out here. Um, I ended up having to pull almost the exact same trigger as I did last week. Uh, this is another revision beer for this week. Um, here's the thing when we first reviewed Jaws, I was living in New England and I had the objective per perfect beer selection for jaws which was narragansett, narragansett i cannot yeah. do that again but i will say and go on the record that i i won it the first time just because that's the only thing i can ever be happy about from living there like the the only combination that could beat it is narragansett and some moonshine you brewed up yourself yeah basically so i can't do that i have a revision beer um there in sparks nevada and this one is a new england IPA, so New England. Okay. This movie's in New England, and this one's called Snarf Snarf. And if you look at the can, this one also features a shark, a great Here's white to be shark. be a great white shark, in fact, yeah. So I'm pretty happy with it. New England IPA, great white shark. It's what percent? High enough. Yeah. It'll, it'll get the job done. It's high enough. I like it. Percent. I like Still, it. It's good. Whatever. Still. Jake, mm. I'm curious if you'd heard of Megalodom before, because I have not. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've never had it, though. It's also curious to me that it's Megalodon with an M as opposed to Megalodon with an N. Yeah. I don't understand why. Probably, and I googled it really quickly and found no answer. It's, pro it's probably some cease and desist. I don't know. They probably like try to do something, <laughs> and then they're like, you can't do that. So they're like, okay, we're going to change one letter. It's a super yeah. subtle shout-out to the BDSM community of the world, okay? <laughs> and I can't imagine the listener is unfamiliar with the idea of a Megalodon, but for the listener who is, that is a prehistoric 60-foot-long monster shark that ate everything in the whole world. You might know so it from this slew of Sci-Fi Channel original movies made about it. I actually didn't know those existed. That's oh, funny. God, there are so <laughs> many fucking Megalodon movies. Are you kidding oh. me? Also, that Jason Statham movie called The Meg. The Meg is short for The Megalodon. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that movie, that movie anyway, ruled, by the way, Meg. for the record. That uh, will probably yeah. be in the running for things to watch for whoever loses this <laughs> session of Beers for Fears. He fucking punches a shark so hard. It's so good. All right. All right, boys. Good job all around. And hey, if you do want to contribute to the Patreon at literally any level, you get to vote on who loses Beers for Fears and what movie the loser has to watch as penance for having done such a terrible, terrible job. <laughs> but hey, boys, drinking beers and watching Jaws isn't the only thing we've done over the course of the last week in the horror world. We might have also had some other stuff going on, so let's talk about what's been rocking our horror world, starting, of course, with paying up on Lost Beers for Fears here. So let's cue that sound effect. Mmm, beer. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. What an idiot! You suck, you jackass. 
All right, boys, uh, there is one that we all lost together somehow. I blame noted pervert Patreon member Larry. Um, I'm not, I don't know that to be the case, but I assume it to be the case. Um, uh, I think that one was, uh, I don't know. Gerald's game. <laughs> it was Gerald's it. game. Gerald's game is what we lost for. Okay. And uh, have any of you guys watched that one yet? I have not had the chance. No, that movie was Funny Games. Uh, there was a game theme for that poll. It was like that, Saw 2, which I picked because we've already reviewed Saw 1, and uh, yep. that weird Netflix movie that I never watched from a while ago called The Circle. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Uh, with Tom Hanks? Was Tom Hanks in that one? Yeah. Yes. I, no, you know what? It was Tom Cruise and definitely not Clive Owen. That's a callback <laughs> to a, never, another thing. Um, anyways, no, I have not watched Funny Games yet. I have it on my list. It's one I've been, actually been wanting to watch for quite a while, so I'm happy that it came up here. Oh, yeah, Jake, how about you? I knew nothing about this. I did watch it, so I'll be I'll be brief, and then you guys can chime in on what you think when you when you watch it. So knew nothing about it, like I said, and apparently when you go to search, I don't for watch this, the news because I'm a kid. I don't watch the news because I'm a kid. When you go to search for this, you <laughs> could you you could choose you could you could watch the 1997 version directed by Michael Haneke or his remake from 2007 that is in in english from That's the along, u.s it's along the lines of the grudge right this is a foreign movie that they got the same director to do an american remake of and guess who's in it naomi watts oh shit <laughs> tim ross i forget um, her name so this movie knowing nothing about this i was pretty surprised with the levers that it pulls it's playing some funny games if you know what i mean uh this is an interesting movie i which one I did you watch? Oh, yeah, you watched I watched the, the 2007 the American version, yeah. not the version in German. <laughs> I, Naomi Watts probably isn't in the original German I, version. I, I did look yeah. at this, and I was kind of I was wondering whether or not we should actually put this on the poll. I don't think the original German version is available to stream anywhere. Oh, okay, cool. Well, so. I in any case, I watched the 2007 version, and this movie was interesting. It was really dark, and it took it was made darker in the ways in which it was kind of humorous because it took a perverse pleasure and kind of toying with you as the audience. I thought it did some really interesting things and I'm not going to talk about them at all because neither of you guys have seen this movie, but it's well acted. You have notable actors in the movie and it does not, it does not shy away from much while, and I don't think this is a spoiler being one of those movies that can do a whole lot without having to show you too much, which I really respect. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I can't say that I loved the movie, but I respected what it had going on. So I'm happy nice. you watched and, it. Uh, is this like a rental on Prime or Google Play or any that's of those exactly things? exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very yep. solid. That's, well, I haven't that's where had a chance to watch that yet, but I am looking forward to that instead. I had to pay up on, uh, I think I lost Dawn of the Dead, the Correct. remake. Yep. And so I had to watch The Night Eats the World, which I can only imagine was based on a zombie kind of a pull. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Pretty sure it was just straight up zombie movies. Yeah, and The Night Eats the World is a relatively recent zombie movie. I don't know if it's like 2016, 2017, something like that. Uh, it's a French movie, ostensibly, but it's in English. Like, it wasn't dubbed or subtitled. It's just in English. Um, although that really doesn't matter. There is almost no dialogue in this movie whatsoever. Uh, this is freely available to stream on Prime. Um, and it's certainly not doing anything novel for the zombie genre, but it was a really enjoyable movie. I'll tell you, it was hard to watch and very affecting 
uh, in these trying times. This is a movie about like so. So this is a zombie movie, right? It's a it's a musician who goes to ex- his ex girlfriend's apartment to pick up some tapes um, from her, and she's having a party, and she's like they're in the den or whatever, and he goes and gets a nosebleed, and that makes him pass out, and then he wakes up among the zombie apocalypse in her apartment. And so it's about, like, one man in this one building slowly losing his mind because of isolation. And it's like, well, I do, this is uh, a lot of, a lot a lot of these the things are right reminiscent now. of what's going on. Yeah, exactly. But uh, in terms of, so, like, it's not doing anything novel, but in terms of a character study on, like, one guy losing his mind, it's fucking fantastic. It's moody as all hell. I think the total dialogue in this movie is less than five minutes of speaking dialogue, and the rest of it is just... No, no dialogue whatsoever. Have either of you guys seen this one? Yeah, I saw this uh, maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago or something like that when it first became available on streaming. Um, I liked it a lot. I This was kind of when I made the poll, this was the one I was kind of hoping would win because I think it was the best of the crop I put on there. Um, and I really yeah. wanted you to see it because it is like also just pretty I it's it's not novel. It's not doing anything new, like you said, but it was like the weirdly interesting one. It's it's also really really refreshing to have a zombie movie focus so hard on like classic horror concepts of like character and psychosis like it's really and it does that very 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 well. I also just love the scene of him playing drums in the apartment because everything's barricaded and they can't get to him, so he's just fucking rocking out on the balcony. Oh man, it's so fucking good. <laughs> all, all the scenes of him doing all the music stuff, like especially the the tape looping, is really fucking cool. Yeah, and uh, and then also, I don't want to say there's a twist. Like you don't need to be on the lookout for a twist. It's not that kind of movie, and I'm not going to spoil it. But there is a choice it makes uh, in the end, in the final act of the movie that I was not expecting whatsoever, and it was changed the whole tenor of the movie, and it was fantastic. So that's all I've got to pay up for at the moment. Mark, how about you? You got anything? No, that's it. I would recommend Night Eats the World, though. I have fond memories of that movie. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it is freely available on Prime right now. So Jake is the zombie guy. I think you should definitely watch it. Huh. Um, it's it's fantastic. But for now, let's cue Scatman and go into regular rocking horror world. Scatman's world. All right, boys, I'm going to go first here. I've got nothing movie-wise to talk about this week. It was a particularly savage week for me work-wise. So I uh, have been continuing my journey through the book, The Horror of It All by Adam Rockoff. It's still fantastic. I'm enjoying it more and more as I go. I think last week I noted uh, when I was editing the podcast, I mentioned his voice. uh, And what I meant by that, it was very confusing as I listened to it. But what I mean by that is like the voice with which he writes his prose. Um, It's just a very clear voice and it's very enjoyable. He's got a really good way he writes stuff i like it very very much not his physical voice exactly i'm reading it i'm not listening it to sense. it so. oh, yeah it, I, i'll tell you what it didn't make sense when i listened to it and it was me speaking so i figured i better clarify huh. that right now um the other thing is another uh book although i listened to the audiobook of this one as i was doing a little bit of woodworking out in the shop i read i listened to jaws the 1974 book uh by, like novelization <laughs> I, of the movie Push? Yeah, novelization <laughs> of the movie Push by Sapphire. Uh, no, this is a this is a book by Peter Benchley. Uh, is not an author I'm particularly familiar with. Um, it's uh, it's it's another one of those rare instances where I like the movie a tremendous amount more. I'm surprised I'd never read the book before, though. It is, I mean, it's literally what the movie is directly based on. Um, it came huh. out a year prior, and the producers of Jaws bought the rights to it before it actually got released wide. So they were already making the movie before it got released wide. And uh, 
it does, like, it has the same character names and follows the same main beats, but the book focuses much more on a lot of side plots that's going on. So, for example, the sheriff's wife is having an affair, and, like, that's a, you know, there's a lot of just side plots the book focuses on a whole lot more, and the movie condenses it down into the story of the three main characters. That's that is very so, interesting, um, and I appreciate so the better. fantasy point that you just gave me. <laughs> um, in any case, I, I don't know that this is a must-read. Like, it's uh, it's good, it's well-written, but it's it's not stellar, uh, and it's not as good as the book, and, and it is a little more, like, rambling, and, and uh, just watch the movie. The movie's a lot better. What so. do you mean it's not as good as the book? Oh, I meant to say the movie. Sorry. Okay. I'm Dude, these are 10% confused. beers. I'm extremely confused by everything. <laughs> well, fuck. I'm sure I will be, too, when I edit this episode. Yeah, in, wait, what's I don't know, on? the next month or so, whenever I get around to it. Uh, anyway, I read the book Jaws. I also listened to, re-listened to a few of the episodes of that Wondery podcast, Inside Jaws, uh, which is like the eight-episode deep dive into the making of the movie Jaws. Ah, so you um, have things to talk about. Not so, I mean, sort of, but mostly just so I could get back into it. I honestly am not going to talk that much about the apocryphal stuff in that book or in that yeah. uh, God damn it. Everything's it's very a book confusing. Now. It's oh very my God. confusing. Um, but it, look, it's, it follows the wondery format of podcasts. If you're familiar with that at all, it will be very, very reminiscent to you of their other stuff, which is kind of like a really, really basic uh, podcast format and has all the same ads and all the same tropes. But mm-hmm. there is a lot of really cool information in there. It absolutely shouldn't be eight episodes long. Like, I think two hour-long episodes would do them real good for the amount of information they have. But it's worth listening to. It's really cool, especially if you're uh, just looking for something to fill time uh, while you're doing something else and love cool. Jaws. I so stay tuned until next and- episode when we start talking about what the shark was named. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of cool stuff about how it just like almost fully killed Steven Spielberg's career before it even got off the ground. Like that, the fact that he picked this movie over some of the other ones he had on his plate. A lot, a lot of really interesting information in there. Um, Wondery podcasts aren't my favorite, but their content is always fantastic. So that's what I've got. Uh, Mark, what do you got? I appreciate that you did like a little bit of research for this one. I did the exact opposite, where I specifically didn't go back and listen to. There's a fucking shitload of Jaws content out there, and I remember when we did Jaws originally which now is going on about 4 years ago or something like that when we wrote the when we did the written review but we hadn't had the podcast yet. Um it was weirdly I don't know what anniversary was coming out or something like that but there were I mean like Bill Simmons did a bunch of like the rewatchables episodes on it there was that might have been when the Wondery podcast came out I don't know that one might be newer. Wondery was, came out 2018. Okay, so like summer 2018. I just remember there being like all of a sudden, there were like four or five different things all talking about Jaws. And I listened to all of them because obviously Jaws is a fucking cornerstone of culture. Um, and I really didn't want to have that flavor my like analysis for this. So it could, what anniversary would it have been? It couldn't have been like it would have been later than the 40 year. I, yeah, I mean, it would have been after that would have been 2015. Yeah, it would have been after yeah, like, 2015, but I, I I, don't know. Maybe it was just totally... 43rd anniversary? <laughs> maybe it was just Ooh. happenstance and there, everyone decided to put out Jaws stuff at the same time. Jaws maybe. is such a banger that we just celebrate its birthday every year. I mean, more or less, yeah. Uh, anyways, you asked me a question and I did not respond to it. It was I summer, have Mark. an array of content <laughs> for you. Hell yeah, buddy. Uh, so first of which, I'm going to start with the movie that I watched, which is Patient Zero. Um. I got drunk with my wife, watched a movie, and this was a preview for whatever movie I was watching. So uh, in my drunken state, I promoted this to the top of my Netflix queue after also showing her the uh, Stanley Tucci cocktail video. Okay. 
Um, she loves Stanley Tucci, and I'm charmed by him as well. So it's he, such a weird like cr- celebrity crush that your wife has, Mark. I find it very charming about her, but it's bizarre. Yeah, but also the more I see Tucci content, the more I understand <laughs> it. <laughs> the more I get the the vibe of the Tucci. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Anyways, if you don't recall, this is the one with uh, Natalie Dormer and Stanley Tucci in a zombie apocalypse. It actually is a pretty good cast. John Bradley's in it as well, who you would remember. He was Samwell from Game of Thrones. Um, and then, uh, Jack, you would know Matt Smith. He was the Doctor, I think, once upon a That's time. That's correct. The 11th Doctor. Sure. The 11th Doctor. Matt Smith is kind of the, the... Him and Natalie Dormer are the main protagonists. And then Stanley Tucci is this, like alpha zombie dude um this has been on my list for a long time because i'm fully on board with all things natalie dormer yeah okay so if you like pure just pure entertainment value this movie is pretty fun it is one of the most overtop melodramatic things i have ever seen they're throwing in like (laughs) these crazy twists and turns that are just like not founded at all in anything the script is doing there's like oh but also this thing that is now being revealed to you at the climax of the movie for some reason and you're like okay so uh fundamentally bad movie but also pretty enjoyable experience if you're in the mood for something that like has absolutely no substance to it Mark, I'm, I'm going to tell you something here. This was on my list to watch very recently, and I couldn't do it because the description talked about it being a search for a cure to a worldwide virus. And as I was looking at it, I was watching news about the current prime minister of uh, the uh, United Kingdom lying about how there's never going to be a uh, vaccine for this current virus in which we find ourselves embroiled. And it just felt like a little bit too much. Uh, is it a viral kind of a movie? It's a zombie movie. They don't oh, okay. really talk about okay. like what what if, if it's a fungus or a virus or <laughs> the, a the description I was the description I was reading of it made it seem like it's pretty much like contagion, like a viral outbreak ruins the world. I mean, there's a race for a cure. It's a zombie Fuck movie. It is a that. straight up zombie movie. <laughs> okay, good. I don't and understand. I'll probably get back on my list. I don't understand the psychology of like what happened with Contagion when the lockdown first started. It's like everybody's locked down in a pandemic. Let's all watch Contagion. What the hell is wrong with these psychopaths? I mean, I right? kind of really watch- want to go back and watch Viral. That movie's pretty damn good. We play we play a lot of board games around here, and one of our favorites is Pandemic, but I won't touch the damn thing since this started. <laughs> I won't touch it. I won't have it. Yeah. I'm not having it. It's, yeah. You're developing a complex. Anyways, yeah, that's the problem. That was Patient Zero. Um, great entertainment value. No substance to the movie whatsoever. Perfect. It sounds like summer's knocking on the door, buddy. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and yeah, I would probably recommend it in that sense. That is a good summer movie. Uh, good. Next up, video game wise, continuing my um, my string of two now that I've talked about for my Ooh. New Year's resolution. Um, I played and beat Doom Eternal. Uh, this is not traditional like horror fair but you are basically a dude fighting the the demons of hell demons. yeah so it's not like a jump scare oriented type thing it's an action horror type game it took it's me a about splatter game what in the hell subgenres of horror does this game fall there's into? a lot of splatter there's a lot of monsters uh there's a lot of like weird in this one they kind of went weird sci-fi more like high sci-fi with it with this sure. third race of people who have beam swords and shit um anyways Doom, Doom 2016 was a fucking fun game, and this is the 
successor to that. They kind of did this whole reboot for the whole franchise uh, with Doom 2016, and this is made in that same style. Much harder than the Doom 2016 one, but I had a blast. I mean, it's it's a really fun game. Um, I'm not going to go on at length here because it's not the Good. most traditional horror content, but I did want to mention it because it was specifically on my list, and I do think I mentioned it in the Omnibus for my horror New Year's resolution of playing more horror video games. There you go. Next I like up, it. I think, is probably going to be uh, The Last of Us Part Two, which comes out in June. Mm. Mark, you should at, you should we should put a we should put a, a poll out or something asking people what horror video game they want you to play. I and they should play it. Uh, we could do that. I can. I probably won't do a poll, but we can certainly reach out for recommendations. Look out I, for recommendations, not a poll. That's what yeah. I, poll I do not. Take. I do not like survival horror, which is why it's kind of hard. Like I feel like yeah, Bioshock is one of the, the ones that did horror almost mechanism. perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's case. some that I can think of. There's some that I can think of that would be interesting. Well, it's okay. also tough because, like, the, the the obviously I'm not super deep on the video games thing, but like, there's I've never been more scared by a game than I think I was by Metroid Prime, that first one that has so many elements of like that horror thing, uh, just mood building and the isolation thing going on. But it's and not a like games, game, games sure. are such a wildly variable thing. Like honestly, like one of the scariest fucking things I've ever experienced in a video game was PT, and that's not really even a game; it's a fucking tech. Demo. That's a Whatever, it's a game, dude. That's like that, the scariest. Fuck, that's that the scariest thing is video so game goddamn ever made. scary. What? Well, no shit. Yeah. Interactivity right. makes a lot of difference, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lastly, and another one that I'll keep relatively short. So uh, we are we are recording this on a Sunday, and we're, the reason we're doing that is because uh, we normally record this earlier in the week. But the reason we're doing that um, this week is because I just came back from a camping trip and down in southern Utah, and uh, just sort of by happenstance, we did a hike called uh, Spooky Slot Canyon. So was it spooky? Why was it called Spooky Slot Canyon? I don't you know. I don't know the genesis of the name. I saw it on the map, and I was they like, were we got- a really big Mario Kart fan. Whoever named it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got to do Spooky, and then I can talk about it on the podcast. Uh, yeah. I was not expecting it to be scary, but I didn't realize how claustrophobic I was. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not particularly claustrophobic. I should say that. I, I don't think that this made me claustrophobic, but I do think it's notable that like you don't have to be particularly claustrophobic or something to be afraid of enclosed spaces once you're in an enclosed space. And this, I mean, you can Google it. If you just pull it up, it's you can either Google uh, Spooky Slot Canyon or Peekaboo Slot Canyon. It's the same same loop. And, um, I mean, you're going about a half mile, and the width of this slot canyon is such that you have to, sh- you have to like, go in sideways. Like, you can't walk shoulder, like, you can't walk normally because your oh, shoulders God. are too broad. <laughs> Jack, I'm not trying to, like, put you on the spot or body shame you or anything, but, like, you might literally be too big of a dude. <laughs> Uh, for for those of you out there who don't know what Jack looks like, like he's a fit guy. He's just six four, and like he's he's got like that tight end build to him. <laughs> I'm also increasingly less fit. So <laughs> okay, well I'm I'm trying to build you up here a little bit, guy. But I mean, like, I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate I, it. I am a relatively skinny dude, and there was at least one part of that where like my chest was too large to fit through going in sideways, and I had to duck down and kind of like. Do this weird like shimmy thing to get under. Yikes, Aruni. Yeah, uh, and we were, and that's, and it's that for a half a mile, and you're climbing, it- you're like rock climbing up and down, and you're going through caves and stuff. I mean, it was actually pretty. It's it's one of the most fun things I've done in the last year, but yeah. also definitely like type two fun. How many times <laughs> did you think about flash floods while you were in the Slaw Canyon? Almost none. It was a total bluebird okay. day. I, I mean, yeah. granted, Still. in Escalante or wherever you're in a slot canyon, like it can be a bluebird day, and if there's rain, 
80 miles away, you're fucked. But yeah, I, it was, I mean, the safety level was pretty high on that one. There were a ton yeah, of people. Yeah, that's all and, good. Yeah. Is I, that is that a slot canyon that you can really only go through one way? Because how fucking yes. hellacious would that be to see people coming the other way? You're like, God damn it. We're going to have to do this <laughs> oh, like Jesus. parkour move up. Let them duck <laughs> under. I mean, yeah, there are a few spots where there's kind of like these little cubbies that if you had to, you could like kind of almost sit down and back up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But um, I mean, just the you way erosion works at it. the bottom when there's less water, that part kind of gets a little bit wider. But yeah, I my under, I mean, we didn't run into anybody coming up, which is indicative to me that it is strictly only one way because there it is a relatively popular hike. So there sure. were a lot of people there. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I like so that. Anyways, I like that very much. That's spooky slot canyon. Uh, you should Google some pictures, and if you're ever near Escalante, if you're going down Hole in the Rock Road, take a look. It's about a six mile hike. <laughs> very solid, Jake. How about you? What you got? Yeah, we're running a little long, so I'm going to save a couple things for next week, but I will talk about one quickly. Um, I talked about Antrim, the deadliest film ever made last week, which yeah. was under the guise of like a cursed film. Uh, the a- Actually, the reason that I did that was kind of in... It was hand-in-hand hand with a series that just came out on Shudder. I, I was going to ask produces. last week, actually, whether or not that had anything to do with this, because it isn't did. it just called I, Cursed Films or something like that? It's it's called Cursed Films on yeah. Shudder. I think Shudder has produced some really good original series content, miniseries, whatever. Um, really looks into horror, little docu-series type things. And so when this came out, I wanted to watch them, and then I remembered that Antrim had come out, and they were kind of the same thing. So I watched both of those things. There, there are five little mini-episodes. They're about a half hour long apiece. And it really just looks at the making and legacy of cursed horror films. So you have The Exorcist, you have The Omen, you have Poltergeist... Uh, the Crow and the Twilight Zone movie. So those, it it was really good. I think it gets stronger as it goes as well. My favorite was Poltergeist, but I think that they're all worth watching. Um, maybe I, I, mm, the first one was kind of shaky. The Exorcist was the worst one. They had some weird little sequences that they'd throw in that were a little bit melodramatic, but. Other than that, I think it was pretty informative and very well produced. So if you have Shudder, it's definitely worth checking out if you're into horror. And if you're having Shudder, you're into horror. And if you're listening to this, you're into horror. So just watch it. Huh? Very solid. I like that. Half hour segments. It's all There's good. Let's let's someone let's somewhere is just like, I hate horror. Why am I listening why, to this? Why am I here? <laughs> I was here for the slot canyons. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go to the feature presentation. Over at ATCHorror.com this week, we watched 1975's Jaws. Uh, As we mentioned, this was a pick from Patreon member John. Uh, John, thank you again for the support, for the pick, for hanging out with us over on Patreon, and uh, and just for picking a hell of a flick for us to watch here. It's about Uh, damn time. Yeah, we put we put this on uh, last in the rotation of the movies here, just because it was like uh, what it was going to be mid May when we watched it, and somehow it's the summer apparently, which is distressing Ooh. in and of its own right. Look, it was picked, and we wanted to get it as close to the summer as we could because this is the summer banger of all yeah. summer bangers. For also, Absolutely. this is a very summer like May. We've had very little water. It's hot out. Speak for yourself, bro. Okay. We've we've had more rain than we usually do, but Jake, we also had a day that got up to ninety four, so it's true. It did get hot <laughs> once. It got hot once. I'm looking at tomorrow. It's gonna be like fifty eight and raining. It's yeah, it's been very strange. Either yeah. way. Uh John, thanks again for the pick. Now, boys, we didn't solicit uh John to give us a thirty second plot synopsis, which means it's just gonna fall to us here. Um <laughs> 
We didn't ask anyone this time. That was a mistake. <laughs> that we will not make that mistake again, I don't think. <laughs> All right, so Jake, tell us about the order here. Who's doing what in what order? Uh, Mark can go first. I'll go in the middle, and you can go last. How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. It's going to start when uh, Mark starts. Roy Scheider plays Chief Brody, the sheriff of a small town Amity in the North, in the New England. They are investigating the death of a woman who's found on the beach, very clearly eaten by a shark, and they're trying to close the beaches. Time, Jake! Time, me! Oh, my God. People on Amity do not want to because they're a vacation town, so this becomes really the search for the way in which he can get to the shark because it's continuing to kill. Time, Jack! Yeah. Uh, they go out under the water, and they try to kill it, and it eventually doesn't... They don't do a good job, and then they eventually try to blow it up, and some of them die, and they win. Time! You guys really freaked me out, Time. You guys really freaked me out there. Oh, my we God. We freaked you out. Why did we freak you out? You did two, such a I bad two... job of making it through eight minutes of the two-hour-long uh, yeah, I mean, movie. Yeah, I, we shouldn't have put Mark first. That was my bad. I mean, <laughs> a lot of the Jake. story is basically the first third of this movie. You, you, I mean, But you spent three seconds of your ten seconds talking about... Establishing the, like, the setting and the characters? Yes, yeah, no, sorry, lit- guys. No, no, no. Literally getting through the name Roy Scheider. <laughs> it's hard to say. Roy Scheider. We weren't out on the water by the time Jake had finished yet. It's a disaster. I have a quibble with how we do this as well. We got to stop saying time in the middle. Just take over. We all have stopwatches in front of us. Just start talking when it's your turn. Look, 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 sir. You cannot complain about how long it says to take, say, time and take the fucking baton. No, that's a good point. We also haven't adjusted for this new paradigm of all being in different rooms. Usually, Jake's not used to having to pull up his own timer because he's usually relying on me to do it. So, listener, if that was bad, it's because... Listener, if that was bad, it's because of the delay in the Skype call, and that's what I'm blaming. Yeah, And not because of my own performance, damn it. I also fully panicked and stopped before my time was up. So that was uh, great I, I did the same. I, I saw that I was at like eight and a half seconds, and then I just decided it was a good enough cutting off point because you could just talk about the water part, which is only half the movie. Look, let's let's take it a little bit more slowly here. All Should right. We? Sheriff. Roy Scheider is <laughs> Chief Brody. Okay. Sheriff of small town New England community, Amity Island. Blown up for you? Am I doing okay? I was wondering how long you were going to keep that going I thought you were going to keep going. I mean, I could. Don't do it. Don't. (laughs) This is the two and a half hour plot synopsis. (laughs) Look, the only stuff we really, really mainly missed in there is the whole conflict with the mayor of the town doesn't want to close because it'd be bad for business. The sheriff doesn't want to close. I said that. I said they didn't want to because they're a fucking tourist destination. Yeah, it's like a day before July 4th. I think what I honestly, I think what we miss is what you will miss in a 30 second plot synopsis of a movie like this, which is this is really about the relationship between these main characters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so good. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into that for a minute. Okay. Okay. But also, I mean, whatever. It's Jaws. I don't think people need a 30 second plot synopsis. There's a yeah, there's a killer shark (laughs) and then some people finally figure out how to kill it, but it does not go well for them in the process. One thing we didn't (laughs) touch on that we probably should have touched on was that they kill a kid almost immediately. Oh, and they kill him hard. They kill (laughs) him so hard. There's so much blood. I don't this might be the hardest kid kill like ever. I mean pet cemetery. <laughs> I love it. Um, I I think the only thing I definitely should have said was that Quint absolutely dies. I said some people die, but like Quint dies, Brody explodes the shark with pressure compressed air. Yeah. Yep. Oxygen. We I, either we, way. We did a I almost. Good job. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would. I would. That was a, that's a solid B minus job. 
I'll are take you it. Look, I'll still, take are it. you still preoccupied with how well of a job we did? Because we always do a poor job. It's fine. We did terrible. <laughs> yeah, but for how many That's times have the whole jobs, bit. Everyone likes this bit because we suck and we look like jackasses. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right, then let's move on to what in the fuck subgenres of horror this fits into, except monster, because that's mine. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, classic? Oh, classic, yeah, sure. It's yeah. classic. <laughs> it's a classic monster movie. That's kind of all it is. Yeah, it really is. Really, really is. Nautical. Uh, not a whole lot else. Nautical. Yeah, not nautical. Ma- ma- Mark had it. Nautical for sure. Thank you. Yep. Boats. Boats. <laughs> I think we did add boats. <laughs> nautical sub sub genre boats. I gotta say, Jaws two is way more nautical than Jaws one. Jaws two is entirely about people on boats. It's like offshore of Amity. There's no yeah. threat to the beaches. It's only people in sailboats. <laughs> Fucking bullshit movie that is. Every other Jaws is such a disaster. Jaws <laughs> two is unbelievable. Fine. No, just two is not fine, Mark. Okay, just it's not two the worst fine. thing. It's not the worst thing. It's, it's not, not just three. I'll tell you that much. Volcano Island. <laughs> All right, let's just let's just dive the fuck. Oh wait, uh, we can't really ask John why he picked it. We don't need to. It's Jaws. Um, yeah, we've all seen it before. Jake, you've seen it like a shitload before, right? Jaws is is my movie, man. Go to VHS. It's your mom's favorite horror movie. This is this is not a. This is on VHS, DVD, saved on every DVR, probably several times. Like this is this is the movie. If if there's a horror movie that I am associated with intrinsically, it is Jaws. That's my mom's favorite movie, except for maybe I don't. No, I think this is just it. I've seen this movie. I don't know, dude, like 20 or more times. I've seen this movie so many fucking times. <laughs> That's awesome. So many yeah. times. Like, I can't even describe to you. Yep. Yep. I'm yep. rambling. Yep. Uh, this is also uh, one that, like, my dad loves so much. He bought a uh, Amity Island, uh, Amity Hotel keychain. Yep. Uh, Amity means friendship, it says on it. It's like a like a key fob, right? Like, you buy it, a sh- like, you get it at a shitty motel before key cards. Um, little thing to hook onto your keychain, and we've been swapping fun it's like the plas- around. It's like gave- the plastic thing that's shaped like a diamond, right? Yeah, the plas- plastic diamond, exactly. Yeah. And it's green yeah. and gold. It says Amity. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I have also seen this movie before. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have a huge storied history with it, aside from the fact that I watched it with my parents, because obviously everyone fucking loves this movie, so my parents also Yeah, I mean, every like everyone has seen this movie. Like, this is the movie that... This transcends, like, horror fans. This is the movie that everyone's like, I don't like horror. Oh, yeah, but Jaws, like, duh. Well, and this this is is one of those ones that, like, breaks people's brains because they're like, wait, hold on, I like it, therefore it's not a horror movie. Right, which is a fucking terrible take. But this is is what you, like, you go to, uh, like, we have everywhere does, but I can think of, like, where here has, like, the annual, you go to the pool and you float in your inner tube and then they screen Jaws on a projector outside. Like, that happens. It gets shown breweries. Like, this is just one of those movies that you can do because it's a crowd pleaser. It kind of covers all the bases, really. So, and it's just, it's summer. It is summer in a nutshell. And it's so, so fun because even I mean, seeing this as a seven-year-old laid the base for a fear of water that is still sort of like part of my deep monkey brain where like even if I was swimming, yep. I mean, everyone has the stories of like swimming in a swimming pool or whatever. We'd always drive up to Lucky Peak and go swimming for the day. And I mean, for those of you not from Boise, Lucky Peak is a small everyone. reservoir right outside of town. There's a few fishes in it, no, almost no aquatic life. 
And, <laughs> you know, every time I go in there, I, I touch a though. slippery rock and assume that Jaws was about to eat me whole. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, uh, let's talk about what this what makes this movie such a crowd pleaser, such a classic. Let's talk about what this movie does right. And Jake, you said it. It's the, it's the chemistry between the three leads, right? It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. And that relationship development is so fucking perfect. Like, I don't even, this is a hard one in the sense that, like, I don't know where to start, really, with it. Because you have tremendous actors, like, doing their thing in career-defining performances. You have a, an incredibly written screenplay. You have, like, an amazing directoral touch going on so all of that creates this synergy that you watch on screen and the story you get that unfolds between those guys is just unbelievable like it, it's kind of we, we never really talk about adventure in the on this podcast because that doesn't really kind of except for like tremors it, it, it doesn't yeah a little bit it doesn't really make its way into some of these move into the movies that we review but like this one just has that adventure companionship sort of piece that is just so rare in the genre i think and it's great Oh, and you get that that thing of just the the organic respect that develops between the three of them who are bristling, right? I mean, obviously, Scheider is like the glue between the two other ones, and he gets along with both Dreyfus and Shaw pretty well because, like, I was, Dreyfus. I was, was going to say, it's like, are we playing some type of drinking game where we see how long we can go without saying the other two's name? So we have Roy Scheider, who's the main dude, yeah, uh, Chief Brody, Brody, he's the sheriff, yeah. Uh, and then you have Robert Shaw, Quint, who is the yep. seasoned fish hunter. And then you have Richard Dreyfus, who plays Hooper, who's a – does yeah. he work for NOAA or some national – like I think he's a something college – I think he's like it works for a college. He's a college research, academic researcher. Yeah, so he's some like white upper crust egghead guy who also has a lot of like – he he has a lot of experience under his belt on boats and actually is very capable. He's sa- but he's a one- sailor. He's like a competitive yeah. sailor, like we're like America's Cup style. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so honestly, like to to the thing that started to really stick out to me this time that I I don't know if I've just never maybe I forgot about it or maybe it's just never hit me right was the opposition that starts between Quint and Hooper. Yep. And then kind of moves toward Quentin Hooper versus Brody. Yeah. Bro- Brody oh, so is, good. The, is the sheriff of the island, but he is afraid of the water, right? So and gets seasick. <laughs> it starts out as like blue collar versus white collar because Hooper does come from money. He has all this like whatever. He, he was basically yeah. able to buy his way into doing the, the sailing game and all this other stuff. But he's also like an exceptionally competent hard ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and those two, Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus, is Quentin Hooper, then allied to be like the two seasoned sailors who were just like, "What the fuck, Brody? What are you doing? Oh my <laughs> like god!" Telling him what to do. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic, and it develops so organically. I I love it so much. Oh god, it's fucking. And that's fantastic. I again like not well. Yes, to believe. I think we need to dive into it a little more. I think it's so well paced to get into that deeper like you you have like an exceptionally well-contained story that happens on the island and then like a second movie that unfolds once they (laughs) go out on the water yeah that's fucking that is crazy this movie is it's two hours long it's a little longer not feel like it (laughs) it's a little longer than what we're used to saying we enjoy out of our movies but this movie should be exactly the length that it is and it is perfect yeah and the (laughs) structure and the structure is is really quite interesting the first half of the movie is kind of what makes this more than a horror movie and in my mind makes it probably mass appealing in general because it's not as much about 
hunting a shark and more about like how shitty it is to be in Brody's position and have to defend this horrible, corrupt, not corrupt, but just a bad mayor um, making terrible decisions and putting people's lives at risk and then eventually costing the life of a small child, Alex Kittner. And then the second hour is about these three dudes on a boat sort of bonding and fishing, essentially, and it contains what is probably up there as one of the best scenes in all of cinema with the comparing oh of the scars of God, yep, various so good. origins. And it's it's something so many horror movies get so wrong is how to set the stakes well early, but then also still have an effective inciting incident to move you into act two, right? And this movie like opens up with a shark just straight devouring a woman. So like sets the stakes immediately, but then still has a wildly effective inciting incident in terms of the after they don't close the beaches, the shark killing a bunch more people. It's fucking fantastic. And they do kind of like, they pace it really well too is the other thing. If you just had, the the two important ones to the story are the one that starts it all, whatever. I don't think we ever know her name, but the girl who runs off in the opening scene. It's like Could be Cindy Charlotte sometimes yeah. if you ask me. Nice. Um, and Alex Kittner, right? Cause that's like the super public one, the other, but you also have these other random attacks that they throw in just for the sake of pacing of the two kind of drunken dudes throwing a pot roast off the dock, trying to catch the shark. Love it. And, uh, the boat that they find after the shark attack, which is the only jump scare of the movie, which has its own storied history of like whether or not uh, they yeah. wanted to include it, but then they decided to, to make sure that it was a scary movie and that people jumped out of their seats or whatever. But like, if you think about it, Neither of those two scenes are really particularly needed for the movie, but both of them are in there to kind of just keep that suspense level high. To get the the, pacing just right. So the movie has a sense of movement forward. Like, I don't want to dive super duper deep on the jump scare thing and all the history that that has from like the the screen testing and all the stuff that they did, but that one's interesting because it does feel at odds with the rest of the movie and it doesn't really need to be there. Like, this movie, if you, all the reasons that you're scared of the water because of Jaws are not because of that jump scare at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it, so it's an interesting one, for sure. Uh, and I, I, I do like how they kind of, like, tested it and perfected it and all that stuff. But to me, it's just, it's a funny one when I look back at it because of all the other stuff that I think this movie does so effectively. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, it's it's fucking fantastic. And look, I mean, everything that goes along with what we've said is like the performances by the three leads are spot on. They're incredible. They fucking nail it. They're, I mean, they're, I th- they're Shaw three... in particular for me is is it's unparalleled when he delivers his speech, his soliloquy. That's an unparalleled performance. Couple. Yeah, soliloquies. I mean. He, he has his his obviously the most famous US, is it the Indianapolis USS Indianapolis black eyes yeah. like a yeah. doll's eyes. That's obviously the I mean that's the one you're referencing. That is the scene of the movie. Yeah, but also the one that he does at the meeting with the the chalkboards on the on or the nails <laughs> yeah. on the chalkboard, and then he's just like, "I'll kill it, but it'll cost you or whatever the hell he says." I mean, Ten he has a couple dollars. really solid theatrical like chew the scenery type monologues. Yeah, oh yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this movie received any it did it won 3 Academy Awards, but it didn't receive any acting nominations. I'd have to look that up, Jack. I think that's the case. You're but the wondery hot, guy, okay? Shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny that you single out Shaw, and I'm I look, I I think we're all in agreement that the three of them I, are all doing incredible jobs, but I want to single out Dreyfus. That's what oh, I was going to say. I love Hooper is so one much. of the most unfathomably charming character. dudes in yeah. 
in cinema. Like, I love that character so much. And that's actually, like, we're getting it, I think, the thing prime that I like about this movie. Because, like, it is those three guys. And it's so funny to be like, Roy Scheider's Brody is kind of, like, on the side. That's fucking nuts. Because because Shaw's, like, powerhouse career-defining Quint is a thing to put on a pedestal for sure. But Dreyfus is the one that I like the most. Like, oh, he steals the show from a likability perspective. He fucking nails exactly what that character should be, and I like, I, I love it. It's one. Of, he's one of my favorite characters of all time because he's so complex. Yeah, and it, I just like that he subverts the classic trope of rich kid who bought his way into the thing he wanted yes. to do and is bad yes. at it. Instead, he's the rich kid who bought his way into doing the thing and became exceptionally good at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic, right? And he that genuinely type of stuff cares is, about what he's doing. Like any anytime you see that type of character written on screen of just like they're good at their job, it doesn't matter how they got there, and they can like prove it to you. That is very likable. Yeah, and, and I think he also happens... has the moral high ground throughout this entire movie because he's the one who keeps saying. The tiger shark didn't do it. You have a bigger megalodon on your hands. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And I mean, it's it's a combination of perfect writing and perfect performance, right? When he's up like on the wheel and he's being screamed at, and he's like, "Aye, aye, Captain," doing his like sarcastic thing, but also doing it very well. It's so fucking perfect. (laughs) Oh man. He does like the face things, like pulling at it, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that, that's like such a random nineteen seventies acting it's thing so of, the, of people making faces as people it's are walking. So around. weird, yeah, it's, it's so out of place. Strange. But every single part of it is perfect. It's all perfect. <laughs> Christ, fuck. So we've been he talking should... a lot about the three guys and sort of just the the world that they have on the boat. I want to talk about the world of Amity itself because I think that's also incredibly well realized, especially Martha's like vineyard. the opening scenes after the girl gets killed, but then as you're kind of being introduced to Brody and just the island itself. And they're like preparing for the 4th of July festivities. There's just people all over main street. They do a lot of like just visual design and stuff to make the island feel really alive. But one thing that I kind of saw this time, I shouldn't say saw one thing I heard this time that I kind of liked more now. I think that I've gone back and watched a bunch of older movies since the last time I've seen Jaws is they ADR in, I don't even know if it wouldn't be ADR. It would just be whatever audio technique they had to splice in audio. But basically the sound editing of background conversations or not even background conversations in certain scenes. Sometimes it's just the thing they focus on for three seconds before the scene actually starts. Like the people talking about how, you know, you can't close a motel. You'll put us out of you'll put us out of work for the entire year. Twenty four hours is like three weeks. The the, yeah. the one that I love that they included, and this isn't like sound editing wise. This is exactly what the scene is supposed to do. But when Brody is on the beach right before the jaws shot, right before Kittner gets it uh, gets eaten, um, the dude who just I to this day I still have no idea what he's fucking talking about because the whole point of the scene is to have him be distracting to Brody and you are doing exactly what Brody's doing trying to look around the guy but there's like <laughs> a dumpster on his front lawn or it's something. like from signs and, yeah and the way they do the sound editing in all of those scenes is super interesting to me to just splice in these like little snapshots of what it's like to be on Amity despite the fact that there's this string of shark attacks happening and it's a really <laughs> incredible piece of world building. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Because, again, it feels somewhat organic. Like, it's, they're not beating you over the head with really any of this. It's very, very obvious, but it's all, it helps with the immersion factor for sure. Yeah. That and the general chaos that underpins all of these scenes, which I, I mean, it's probably 
a little bit true to form of what life is like in a chaotic small town that thrives on tourism around the 4th of July. But also I just imagine them shooting these scenes with literally hundreds of extras and them being like, okay, action people do beach stuff. (laughs) Go nuts. (laughs) Well, it's also almost a per, I mean, in terms of the screenwriting again, it's almost a perfect example of like planting and payoff, right? Is what is what the term is referred to in screenwriting terms. It's when you set something up in terms of stakes, you have to pay it off in terms of an effect on the audience. So when they say like, there's going to be people coming in from all over the place to try and hunt this shark after they put a reward for it. Well then I just hit my mic so fucking hard. It yeah. It looked it, like exited screen. <laughs> Uh, then you have like the next scene you have is a whole shitload of people on boats out on the ocean and it feels so crowded and some of them are just throwing dynamite into the fucking water. I love the Right boat. next to another boat. <laughs> it's planting yeah. and payoff so perfectly and it's it feels chaotic. That scene stresses me the fuck out. And but it's, it's, like it's so such... nice because it's just like Ugh. some things never change. You put a you put a 50 grand bounty on a fish or something now, you're going to get a bunch of rednecks out of the middle of nowhere cruising around Lucky Peak or whatever, Jordan L. Reservoir, Dude, throwing dynamite you, directly into the water. You put a notification that a fish is exiting the Animal Crossing environment at the end of May and you're going to get a bunch of yahoos paying thousands of dollars for one on Reddit. It's <laughs> insane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it is nice to see that humanity hasn't changed in 40-something <laughs> years. Or not nice. Maybe it's the opposite of nice. I don't know. We can't grow as a people. That's <laughs> <laughs> not great. <laughs> uh. I referenced it a moment ago, but while we're here, I should just mention the Jaws shot, the reverse vertigo shot. Oh, my God. Right? I, it's. I mean, it, it's the reverse vertigo shot. <laughs> which, well, which, I do like, think it's important to, to recognize how novel vertigo that feels when you see it. Yeah. But like when we talk about a vertigo shot, right? We're talking about a shot that the camera is moving towards someone and zooming out manually on the shot. So like it looks like they are becoming smaller or becoming bigger within the shot and everything's really disorienting. <laughs> so and in this shot, they're moving That's this. That's this. So I think that, yeah, no, I think so, it, so 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 you're 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 the thing is that in both shots the subject in the foreground doesn't really change in size at all. The the thing that changes is the depth of everything the background. Around so in Vertigo, yeah. where they're trying to show people having vertigo, being afraid of heights or whatever, they um uh, I believe they like you were saying, they move the camera closer but they No, 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 no. They they move the camera away but they away zoom in and, zoom and in. that lengthens the depth of the scene and then they right. do the opposite here which is it smashes Brody into the background. Into the, yeah, so yeah. Vertigo so Vertigo is like him, a backwards zoom tracking zoom, and this is a forward tracking focus. Anti-zoom. <laughs> <Whatever>. Reverse zoom. <laughs> yeah. yeah reverse zoom in, zoom, zoom out. <laughs> but it's, man, th- that scene, that shot is just so iconic. Yeah. It's the jaw shot. Like, you just refer to it as the jaw shot if you want to think about how many other shots are the blank shot. Yeah, it's how basically like the, the jaw shot and the Vertigo shot. I mean, yeah, there much. are a few of them, but. Huh. Yeah. And how that works. It also comes right after another scene that, like, even it's it's nothing, but it inspired Brian Singer to create a whole production company. Call his production company Bad Hat Harry, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I forget about that line every single time, and then I, and then yeah, he drops that. That's some Bad Hat Harry, and I'm like, I know what that is. <laughs> Did I just watch an episode of House? What's going on? <laughs> uh yeah. Hey, while we're talking about sort of stuff that came out of this movie, honestly, if we were to circle one thing that is the most memorable thing about this movie, not something I would think that I would have to defend, but John Williams. 
John Williams is probably like the most memorable thing about this movie. What do you mean have to defend? I don't know. I'm just talking. In terms of how, like, I think Mark means, like, you can get so far down the list of things this movie does great before you get to John Williams, and you shouldn't go that far down because he should be at the top. Yeah, exactly, because I think, honestly, like, he is probably the most notable thing about this movie. Across all things, more people know the, the theme song of Bruce the Shark than it's any simple. other detail about this movie. Yeah, it's simple, and audio cues are an extremely effective memory device. Yeah. John Williams is an inhuman thing that exists in the world. The The number of he's iconic of shit he's written, like the Olymp- including the Olympics theme song, is <laughs> in... He's he's the best composer of history. I that think. motherfucker wrote the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely baffling. I mean... He has he is he is certainly probably the best film composer of all time. But there there are other names up there that are kind of in the same category, like Danny Elfman. There there is no one who is anywhere. There are other film composers who are used are great. a third as frequently as John Williams and who do a good job. But there is no one who is on John Williams's level in terms of iconic. Frequency. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, prolificness or iconicness or freak like it's insane. He does stand alone. He yeah. really does. Okay, that's fair. I don't really want to argue this point. You are. He correct. has like twenty three Oscars. I you think. were the one who came into it saying you'd have to defend it. I so- just yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I don't know. It was weird how quickly it changed sides. <laughs> <laughs> but no, to that point. So there was obviously the Jaws theme, the Donna Donna. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Oh, thanks for reminding me. I forgot about that. But one. there's also it's an audio medium. I'm trying to paint a picture here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to paint a picture of the sound of the movie. <laughs> paint a word picture. But there's also, like, there's a lot more composition in this movie than I seemed to remember. There's just, like, basically, like, plucking strings happening all the time and just a fucking shitload of clarinets all the goddamn time with the clarinets throughout this movie. It's another thing John Williams does really, really well, which is a lot of these kind of movies with this kind of a scoring to them, like a really traditional classic score to them, it can feel really obtrusive when the score comes in, but his is so constant. Even if not a lot's happening, there's always some kind of string or woodwind happening such that when the actual score comes all the way in, it doesn't feel like it's coming out of nowhere. It's just like, Oh shit. The actual thing that's been here the whole time is getting a lot more intense. It's yeah. Which is, it's, it's almost, I mean, he, he is a classical composer and that's sort of how like, operas work when they're composed right like it's a you're never really away from the sound and it it just uses the recurring musical cues and stuff of different characters to build on itself and like create emotions and stuff over time so it's in a way it's similar to that i mean i'm i'm obviously not a person who is capable of talking about composition but that does seem like to me what he's doing is he's creating this sort of like soundscape that underpins the length of the movie that allows him to control and well, yeah with- you build you build themes within it the length of the movie and like i'm in the same boat as you mark i can't talk intelligently about this but when we talk about how this movie has a very adventurous element to it like when they're out on the water think about what happens anytime they get into hunt mode and they're shooting barrels into the shark and all that stuff like you get a just absolute like stamp picture perfect adventure score that happens during those scenes and look like, the, this 
That's how it works. He just knows what he's doing. The counterexample that comes to mind most easily for me is The Orphanage in terms of a score that rips me the fuck out of a movie because it's so jarring when the score comes in. Is like the 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 example of in that movie there isn't a constant score that swells very well when exciting things are happening. It's just like there is no score during the dialogue and then all of a sudden there's a lot of twinkly plinky like delightful score and it's like oh god okay wow this came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but in Jaws, it never comes out of nowhere. Uh, it's always building off of something that came in when you didn't notice it. It generates a feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Overture, it's curtains, It's lights. more than a feeling. This is it. We'll hit the heights. Oh, what heights we'll hit. On with the show. This is it. Right? The overture. Are you keep going? That's all. That's the whole thing. That's the whole overture thing. I don't know what you're referencing. I don't know what that is. I'm very confused. I think it's Bugs Bunny and then Seinfeld. Jack, I'm going to level with you. I can only realistically talk to the Bugs Bunny half of that duo. Yep. So (laughs) anything else this movie does, right? (laughs) (laughs) On that note... Uh, okay, I mean, there's a lot of, so many little character moments, but the one I want to call out in particular is the, the dinner party scene, right? Uh, Richard Dreyfuss's dinner party where he just, like, uh, pours, starts to pour the wine. He's like, ah, that should oh breathe a God. little, but he just pours, like, an entire tumbler full of wine, like, half a bottle into his into glass. Into his glass, empty yeah. glass that And then pours his wife a tiny little bit. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And Hooper Fuck. a little bit. They, they, yeah. they all share the bottle of wine. I mean, Hooper's like, that should breathe a little bit. He just keeps pouring. It's so fucking great. This movie is replete with showing instead of telling in terms of what the characters are. Yeah. I mean, that is a very good way of putting it. It's, it's one of the ways that this movie exceeds at building building characters. Right. Is, Nobody ever says like, oh, oh, you sheriff, yeah. you're such a... <laughs> Brody doesn't walk in at the end of, a, of his day and be like, honey... I am very upset, and I would like to drink <laughs> quite a lot of alcohol in order to deal with my internal struggles. Yeah, no, it's, it's this moral it's very... dilemma I am facing is a doozy of a pickle. <laughs> it very organically presents you with who these characters are. <laughs> yeah, the only other thing I had written down here, and I mean, like, I don't want to. Th- what this movie does right is the entirety of the movie, but as far as large things to highlight, it is probably worthwhile to note that. It takes its fucking time revealing the monster, which is like one of the established, arguably because of this movie, tropes of a good monster movie. Takes its goddamn time and doesn't reveal, doesn't show you its hand until, I mean, maybe a little bit in the second act and then definitely in the third act. And they show you, so in the first act, they do show you like from about two feet under the water, right? You get a shot of the shark. From about two feet down, and it's a practical effect, right? It's the animatronic shark that they built. Ta- two you're feet talking underwater. about the one in the. You're talking about the one like the inlet. Yes, mm-hmm. that's my favorite and shark scene, shark shot in the whole movie. It's yeah, fantastic. Cool. Where it's like on its side, and it gets the guy when the kids are on their little catamaran thing. Yeah, when exactly. they're in the pond, and they and they show. That, I mean, it looks perfect because it looks like what a shark would chilling. look like from two that's, feet under. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask what your favorite shark shots were. That's mine, and it's perfect for so many reasons. First time you see any substantial portion of the shark, you get a sense for scale. You knowing what you know if you've seen the movie a few times, know about Bruce and the challenges and the awesomeness that that presented. Uh, it's completely silent, which is fucking weird for this movie, but that's <laughs> how it harder works. harder because yeah. of it. It's yep. 
a perfect scene among in a movie that is replete with perfect scenes. It's Absolutely. Amazing. And which which leads into the last major thing we haven't talked about and what it does right is fucking Bruce, right? Is yeah. the Boosie. fully animatronic shark they built for this and the the various replicas of that animatronic shark they built to like put under the water at various points and use They get it out the there movie. in the salt water and they're like, "Whoops." Yeah, th- like th- this is a movie oh, that shit. is this is the yeah, this is everything to rust. <laughs> this is a lesson in perfect prop design. Like when you need to use something. Well, I don't when, know if I would say that. <laughs> I I don't know, man. Like this is what you should do. You should roll with. The, well, you should build an animatronic thing, and when it doesn't work, you should build a thing that approximates it and show that as much as you can. Right. I guess what I'm saying is like the the product they put on screen, inarguably very good. In the background, though. Probably it, not it a lesson it's how to build a It's an abject rock. disaster. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it's a exactly. problem-solving this disaster. Almost, almost harpooned the entire fucking production. So maybe not the best prop design. <laughs> I mean, it's such a good prop that the the actual Bruce that the Jaws two and Jaws three exist because they have this shark lying around and they they just threw some shit at it around the shark that exists. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I I agree. I mean. Having a giant animatronic shark is is certainly an ace in the hole. <laughs> yeah. At any point. I have I have one more thing that I think belongs in the what the movie does right category, and that's the poster. Just gonna say it. Oh sure. Really quickly. The poster's amazing. It is probably one of the best movie posters ever designed. It has been replicated countless times and it's perfect. Including on Jack's beer can. <laughs> Uh, yeah, including on my beer can and in my Animal Crossing house. I made a replica of this in my Animal Crossing house. I didn't know that it was... I, I honestly haven't done this research yet, but the uh, the the cover of the book is, a vi- is the exact same shape of image. It's less artistic and less stylized and less good, but okay. I think <laughs> they copied that for the poster. Uh, that's That's fine. Makes sense. Yeah. Either way, I mean yeah. it's perfect. It's it's fucking perfect. That's fine. Yeah, I mean Benchley was involved in all of it, so whatever. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's fan fucking tastic. Should we move on to Dozen Middle? Uh we can. I have nothing to contribute in that section. Yeah, me neither. <sighs> What's the movie do wrong? <laughs> um I mean not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to contribute in this segment. <laughs> I I have I have two things here. I have one. Uh, so I'll, go, I'll I'll do mine first, and then Jake, and then I'll go back to me. But okay, there's probably not much they could have done about it. But and this might this is the first time I've noticed it too. So I'm wondering if it's the DVD that I have, uh, or if it's like the certain cut and it hasn't been remastered or something like that. But basically, like when you have the night scenes of Jaws swimming around with all the barrels and the barrels on the surface, you have these like light artifacts from when they were doing the night filter. I think that's Uh what it must be from because it looks like the barrel is glowing. Like anytime there's like the water is glistening over the top, it very clearly changes color to like a daytime illuminated water color. And it creates this incredibly shitty looking (laughs) effects. Interesting. Interesting. I did not notice that. I I noticed noticed for the first time on this viewing some scenes that were clearly shot in a pool where the boats are anchored down. It's specifically in the scene where Richard Dreyfuss dives down into the water the first time before he finds the head. But the boat, despite a lot of waves, the boat isn't moving a fucking inch in any direction. Yeah. Uh, There is a couple of there are a couple of things like that. 
Oh, and while we're on that scene, this is a quick nitpick, but like the one piece no, of forensic evidence no. you have, you drop, and it's like you're in a scuba suit, and it's like 15 feet away from you. you don't just swim down and grab it. Yeah, you what should the, grab what? it. What are you doing, grab man? It. Just, just yeah, grab the it. water's like 30 feet deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Um, I have something this movie does hard wrong. It's inarguable. It's inexcusable. There was nothing the movie could do about it, but it's absolutely what the movie did wrong. What is uh, it? It's this movie is it came the out. Racism. Uh, no, no, the the racism is is bad, but it actually adds to the character of that town and the assholeness of the mayor. Like the movie oh, itself I wasn't talking... isn't racist. Okay, you do you do. Th- yeah, I'll, I'll bring. Oh, my... you're talking about the behind the scenes racism? Yeah, no, that's rough. No, I'm not talking about that. There is a this is uh, again. I'm going to say this for the fortieth time. There was one little line that I feel like they added in post when they're uh, when Brody is going to get the Boy Scouts out of the water because they're doing their island swim. Yeah. And if you listen to the words that the uh, the Boy Scout master, like the guy who's in the boat, the is troop, yelling at the, the kids. The troop leader. Uh, <laughs> Notoriously <laughs> accepting and wholesome Boy Scout community. There's there's yeah. some there's some troubling uh, racial slurs just thrown yeah. in there, I'm pretty That's sure. That's unsurprising. Yeah. yeah. No. Oops. This movie no. also came out in 1975. Not that it makes it acceptable, but, but it's it, understand yeah, the timing. Different time, different place. Sure, I, for sure. No, no, no. No, no, no. The thing this movie did wrong was it came out too early to have the proper casting for the mayor. The mayor is cast. Who should have been the mayor? All, oh, my God. There is an objectively correct decision for who should have been the mayor. It's inarguable, and it should have been Brian Doyle Murray. It's unbelievable that Brian Doyle Murray isn't in that role. Like, when I think about Jaws, I picture Brian Doyle Murray wearing that anchor jacket. It's inconceivable. make it. They you really need do. It. They need to do, like, an American Psycho-style shot-for-shot remake of this movie, but with Brian Doyle Murray in Everyone's the, the same, role. except somehow they, they managed to get him in the scenes. Exactly. Digitally in add him place. in. At least, like, digitally remaster it to put Brian Doyle Murray in that fucking jacket. All I could think about is what a better villainous mayor he'd be oh wow he blows goats i have proof he's it's the exact character he always plays he's oh man (laughs) so the the, okay the only thing that i had and what it does wrong kind of plays into something that mark was talking about earlier and interestingly it's also that it didn't cast brian doyle murray i i I agree jake yeah totally totally yep we're done it's a great take it's a great no i so in what they did right which is adding a lot of organic sound to the movie. There's also some what it does wrong. And this is somewhat of the time, but there are quite a few sequences in the first third where there's a lot going on. There's just kind of a din where there are things that are being said by character members that are on screen and their mouths are not moving. (laughs) <laughs> that shit happens. It happens, but you have to mention it here. That's not a nitpick. Like if you're looking at something and then the face doesn't match up with the noise, like that's a problem, especially in a classic. Like attention to detail that is throughout the movie, it just it's not right there. Yeah. And this is something that's so hard. It happens all the time, but it, it's especially not Especially with these older movies, right? Where boom technology yeah. was so much harder. They didn't have any kind of yeah. remote besides It's not boom. a nitpick, yeah. though. Like, this is something a movie does wrong. It happens, like, many, many times. Like, most notably in the sequences throughout the, I don't know, town hall, courthouse that ultimately leads up to Quint scratching on the chalkboard. There's a lot that happens right there. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't match up. Yeah. That's true. I uh, The last one I have is a story element that has never made sense to me uh, and is purely there as I, I basically as a deus ex machina to like make things more dangerous and 
remove a, a sense of safety. Why the fuck does Quint destroy the radio? There's no reason to. That's a goddamn stupid thing. Because he's losing his mind. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. I That's mean... A- it's what yeah. that is. That is one of the only scenes of this movie where you're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's just the sure. writers trying to figure out how to not have the Coast Guard come save them. But it does make sense if you ignore a different part that doesn't make sense, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago about how <laughs> in VFW how obscenely drunk they get, and this is another movie where like they get so fucking drunk and then are called to action immediately. Okay. And if you think about how much they drank and how drunk he was, like ah, I don't know. I've oh my god, you're reminding me of. You're reminding me of, like, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. This is escalated beyond need pick, because when they first get on the boat and he chugs the can of Gansett and crushes it, yeah. and then fucking Dreyfus' oh. character has, like, the styrofoam <laughs> cup, cup of, of water coffee. and drinks yeah. it and crushes it. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, oh man. my God. But, so, Mark, if you ignore the being upset with the movie for not paying attention to how drunk these men are, which is very a lot to vary uh then <laughs> yep. then you can explain away why he smashed the radio and it's because the man has consumed like a liter and a half of booze <laughs> okay i whatever i guess it's forgivable but that's one of those things where like you can clearly that it, it's where the movie starts to become a little threadbare and you could tell they just needed a temper tantrum in order to make sure that they yeah. couldn't just have the easy act. i mean he's also i i kind of quibble with that a little bit though because he's also a man who's able to go through like that drunken sing-songy experience and then do the storytelling and they're all hammered and then he's immediately able to like s- get sober-minded to spring into action when the shark attacks so like he doesn't need to do that yeah like, Although, moments later that he, was like when he says when he character. says let's get up it is it's it's performance is so it's so reminiscent of the Orson Welles uh j- just do Whoa. anything from the yeah when when Orson Welles says just do anything I think that's what he was working for but he says let's let's get up because he's so slurry and it's amazing yeah. oh my god I'm pretty sure they were probably just drunk oh for sure I'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. I'm I think that is he, the mean, story of the scene I'm pretty he sure was drunk, was drunk on drunk set most of the time yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just hammered the whole time and they were flying him back and forth from there to Canada. And trying to, like, just prop him upright for some scenes. Yeah. Well, and yeah. then I think, didn't he have to, like, immediately leave the United States for tax yeah. evasion purposes? Yeah. They, they flew him to Canada and every off day. Yes. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> good times. It's so out. good. Oh, yeah. man. It's fucking Gentlemen, perfect. are we at nitpicks? Blow the whistle. Sure. Blow the whistle. Oh, it's never sounded more nautical. Why? Does nobody in movies understand how a sledgehammer works or what it's supposed to do? Why is the dude hammering in a signpost with the side of a sledgehammer? Like the broad (laughs) side of the hammer. (laughs) It's exactly the wrong way to do it. It's also so much harder to hold a hammer sideways like that when all the weight wants it to go one way or the other. I just don't think anyone in Hollywood has has heard of a mallet. But even if you hold a sledgehammer, like by its own... Wait, it's going to rotate to one end or the other being downward. That was like a choice he was making. (laughs) It's a theatrical... Yeah, the the character of whatever the fuck his name was, Johnny Deputy. (laughs) Deputy number three. Yeah, there's some method acting happening on on the part of that character. They're just like, ah, yeah, I don't think my character would swing a sledgehammer like that. It it honestly does feel to me like, like an extra in L.A. who did not know how hammers work. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's probably true. 
<laughs> Sometimes Occam's razor is the most simplest solution, Jack. Wow. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on with that sentence. Nice. <laughs> I have one. I want to know who the fuck <laughs> drew the shark on the blackboard in the, in oh the my town God. hall and, scene. And I, where did I it come from? It- I like to picture that from? Shaw drew it before scratching his fingers on it. <laughs> like, that's like, actually I Jack. That that's a fan. Whole... That's a fan theory, dude. Because he like wasn't there, and neither was the shark on the chalkboard. Like that's a yeah. famous omission. And then he's like... scratching on a board with a shark on it. He fucking drew that shark. I like to picture that he like sneaked in, he totally it. sober, and just with chalk drew it, erased some stuff, really precisely drew it. Yeah, <laughs> he's he a really good shark. cartoonist. Like, you know what would really drive my point? My sales pitch home. A cartoon drawing of a poorly <laughs> of a poorly drawn shark. He's trying to get their attention to the fucking chalkboard, clearly, because a jab jaw looking motherfucking cartoon of a shark. Unbelievable, dude. <laughs> I, it's not totally off character. This is the same man that's like, I like Narragansett and apricot brandy. Yeah, man, he's <laughs> a lunatic. <laughs> okay, he could just be full on crazy. I guess I'm willing to buy that. Oh, he's totally shit. full on crazy he's seen some shit man there's no way you're not uh, this movie has a few lines in it that seem like they're really good but also if you think about them for literally more than a second they don't make any fucking sense right, at all if the what? scene didn't cut away to the next scene everybody around would just be like wait what hold on <laughs> what it's you, only an island what? if you look at it from the water <laughs> what yeah, I like that I like that's that. No, what does that mean? That means <laughs> it, nothing. It means, it means it's 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 only an island if you look at it from the water, Mark. Duh. It's also oh. an island if you look at it from the land and see water on the side of it, because that's what an no, island is. Yeah, that's, I'm pretty that's sure just if like you're on an island and you're standing in the middle of it and you look around, you see water on all sides. You can pretty fucking easily tell it's you're on an island. It's too big for it's too big for that. It's not some like three foot wide atoll. Come but on. then that's true of all land masses in the entire world. Yeah. Oh, so fucking the United States of America is an island if you don't look at it from the water. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Or if stupid. you do look at it from the water. I don't know. Also, this if you very do. Confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Just, stupid. Whatever, man. You make things big enough. Then, I mean, the, the world, the, you, the earth is the, an island in the universe. Oh, my God. Okay, But, only, li- but only if you look at it from outer space, Jake. Yeah, the, the water of outer space. Jake's know? been Pit. drinking his own poorly brewed methanol. He's going blind. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's another one that doesn't quite fall into that same category, but also it's one of those lines that like I always thought I would get when I was an adult. Uh, and now I'm an adult. I'm pretty sure I'm an adult, and I still don't have any idea what they're talking about. They cheers to, uh, here's to swimming with bow-legged with women. With bow-legged women. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. What, is I, that I, what are they referencing? I what understand, rhyming, Mark. Dude. I kind of think that, that that is just them cheersing to an insane alcoholic shark hunter and, like, let's placate this guy. Like, so sometimes you guys just go along with whatever I say when I drink he's, way dude, too much whiskey. Dude, he's just being a, sea sh- a seafaring salty old dog. But along those lines, in the... Three or in, there's an episode of Seinfeld where where George has to get the condom open so quickly, and then he says, "No, nah, it's too late." No, no, I don't. I still don't understand what was happening in that episode where he didn't get the he condom open. He prematurely ejaculated before getting the condom open yeah. with no stim. Is that what that was a joke? Is that what the joke was referencing? Hundo P, buddy. Wow, that doesn't okay. Uh, yes, come on, come on. 
that I, I got to get it open, and then all of a sudden it's too late. I honestly did. I don't, Okay. That's one of those things I've never understood. We're going to oh, have to go well, back you're and an watch adult it. Now, you should really think about that more. Do a deep yeah. dive. Really think about it. I mean, I couldn't watch that episode anymore. I've seen every episode of Seinfeld like 15 times. Farewell and adieu to yield Spanish ladies. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, neat uh, pick in general with the sea shanties. Oh, oh so good. Uh, also, it really. It represents the character of what I think of, like, those super drunken nights when you all start singing stuff with your buddies. I'm sure that if you, like, filmed it, it wouldn't look that cool in terms of what we've done. But, like, no, in terms think, of Ugh. what I think <laughs> happened, like, when I look back on some very drunken nights we've had, that's what I remember. And they nail Jack, it perfectly. Jack, that's what we call a romantic lens. Yeah, exactly. And they get it exactly right, and I love it. I'm pretty sure in our case we would have been singing the Backstreet Boys, though, so that's a different, no, slightly different no. timbre. Come we, on. We would have been singing, I'm on a boat. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yes. That's, <laughs> no. that's shockingly accurate. <laughs> yeah, that was college. Oh, I would like to Jesus. visit um, the, the, the fisherman scene, the Ben Gardner scene. So the, the guy of the boat they find, who's the fisherman's name is Ben Gardner. I want to know what happened to that guy. Because they find yeah. the boat. The boat is still floating. Yep. The He's guy in the is, hole. Why do you have to dive to get... Why do you have to go examine the hole? Like from the I, outside, I don't know. I don't, I'm assuming there's a reason for that that I just don't understand. Ben is the dead body is inside the boat. So did Below he drown? Deck. He wasn't eaten by the shark. How did he die? Below deck. I don't know. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I, I, dude, I'm telling you that shit is at odds with the rest of the movie. I totally agree. A similar scene happens in the book, and it's more explained but infuriatingly less resolved like they talk more about how had he just fallen in like had had he had something on his line and been pulled into the water he would have been eaten he wasn't eaten he's still here what happened and that is never fucking resolved <laughs> maybe it doesn't need to be i don't know he's just he's below deck in the hole of the boat that got hit so look, his head can pop out and be scary and his eyes missing because there are fish in the ocean. Look, Bruce is an inscrutable motherfucker and ain't nobody understand him but his lady. I'm just I'm just talking about shaft. I'm doing a shaft thing. I don't know. I'm doing a shaft thing. I don't know if you guys Why? can tell. Why are I'm you just talking about thing? Bruce? I I don't know, man. What the fuck? I got nothing else to say. I want to go to ratings probably. You you're done? You're done? I'm done. Yeah. Are you not done? There's not Why? a lot of okay, I have a couple more. I don't know. Like, hold on. Let me make sure I'm not done. <laughs> I like that you said, and I got a couple more, and then you had to review to make sure. No, yeah. No, I have. No, I'm looking at my I assume man. this is what it's like to make love to Jake as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you just call? Are you done? Yeah, hold well, on. Hold yeah, on. No, let I'm me pretty sure. My hold notes. on. Hold on. Hold let on. me make sure. Let me check. Wait. Yeah, probably, but hold on. Don't move. Nobody move. <laughs> Every second of my life is a game time decision, you'll find. <laughs> So I got a couple things here. Uh, one, which is an obvious one, but Brody types coroner's office when he's typing at the start of the movie instead of coroner's office, which is noted. Everyone That's a knows character that one, decision. It's, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, it's character building. Neat pick. Why wouldn't they just leave the beaches open to like satisfy this fucking mayor, but like literally put the buoy thing at five foot deep of water like that shark is not Most shark attacks that. happen in five feet of water jake not that one <laughs> yeah that shark is five feet wide 
Not that one. I mean, not, yeah. like Fucking. your 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 rebuttal is is good in the sense that like they don't know what that shark looks like. However, knowing what we know as the audience, like, <laughs> it wouldn't work. Like, there's no yeah. there ain't no goddamn way. There's... They they do monitor the water, but like why not take if you're gonna do that? Why not take more measures and put buoys at like five foot deep so you can get I... to like your shin. I would shit. like I would like an alternate ending to this movie where where Bruce just like beaches himself trying to get some kid in like three <laughs> feet deep water. Yeah, sharks yeah, shark ain't beaching itself. Also, okay, last last one. Then we can go to ratings. Um, <laughs> Michael Brody, his accent to me. Okay, he has a mom who's from Boston and a dad who is from New York, and that mixture of accents is unfortunate. Let me tell you. I thought until like super recently until living out there that the kid was like developmentally unique, but I think that is just a <laughs> mixture of accents. <laughs> the accents from out there are fucked. I think I think it's also like trying to tell a kid to change his natural accent slightly and it like Maybe. went wrong. <laughs> I would the, he, uh, dude, he as sounds, a director, I would different. love to sit in on one of those sessions of just like, okay, you know how you have a Boston accent? Do that, but with a just a touch more Long Island. Do you know how to do that, eight year old child? If like, I feel like if you're not from like you can do. I I don't know how you could do that. So I'll, I'll tell you, you you could watch the town. You tell the kid to watch the town, and try to do a replication of Jeremy Renner's terrible Boston accent, and then also do a better job of it. And that's how you can get to that terrible sounding fake half a New York half Boston accent. Oh my accent. god. Dude. It's just doing a better job of what Jeremy Renner tried to do in the And town. actually, like, what's funny about it, too, is that the, the most outrageous accents aren't even the ones from Boston. It's the shit from, the, like, where I worked when I was out there. Like, the South Shore, I don't th- necessarily think that it's on the islands because the islands are a bunch of transients anyway and vacationers. But the people in southern Massachusetts, their accents are fucking insane. Like, you can't even understand them. It's so crazy. <laughs> That's basically what that kid had. He had, like, a fucking New Bedford accent. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we should go to ratings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish I had Gansets. We over at ADC Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think about Marvin Boggs, who rate how much you can trust the system. Frank, how many times have I told you you cannot trust the system? I told you, when you're in the system, they switch the flip, and you're done. And for 10, think about Dwight, who would write how dead Sprinkles was looking. Did she look... When you saw her, how was she looking? Really dead. <laughs> like a, just a dead cat. Stories, the first game we were to rate these movies. Jake, you said yeah, you're buddy. the Jaws guy. What's your story rating? Giving it a nine. This is about as good as you could possibly get for having a movie that's about a big shark just eating people. All right. <laughs> very, 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 very simple on the surface, yet extremely textured and deep and pretty much perfect in every other respect. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, what you got? Uh, this is interesting because I do also still have the... Uh, the scores from the last time we reviewed Jaws in 2016. Oh, God. From like, wow. That's end not of, good. End for of March me. 2016 was the last time we talked about this movie. Oh, my God. It's different been, time, different era, Mark. It's been four years. Ignore all the racial slurs I might have used. Ignore everything that I put for that that whole thing. Ignore okay, everything. Well, I'll completely ignore it because you gave the story a nine, so you're you're on par with yourself. Um, 
I gave the story a six and a half. I I am knocking what? it. What? Well, hold on. I think that it's a very simple story. I don't think you're watching this because of the story per se. There is a shark. It is scary. Don't go in the water. And it has its flaws with how things unfold, particularly with Quint destroying the the radio. It, it it just has some Deus Ex Machina built into it that doesn't make it the most strong story, but whatever, it's it's good. And you gave it a what? Say that one more time. Six and a half. Someone who... Oh, Jesus. Whatever. Wait for the rest of my scores. Get off my back. Okay. I give this a 10 for story. Okay. Yeah. This is perfect yeah. writing. This is this is this is a story that's ostensibly about a shark attack. That's more about three men bonding and the relationship that that evolves between them. It's fucking perfect. Uh, it, especially, I think I'm also giving it more credit for having read the book and seeing what a better job this movie does than the book itself of talking about what's important in this story. But this is this is a perfect story. This is this is a perfect story. Uh, world building and immersion is the second category. Jake, what's your world building and immersion score? I'm gonna go eight here. Um, here's the thing. This movie, like I said earlier, is basically, there are two halves to this movie, and I think that the second half is perfect. It's, like, exactly what I would look to to be perfect when I talk about a movie that could attain a perfect score. The first half has a lot of, I guess, just, like, it it kind of just feels like a movie made in the 70s to me during the first part when like all the shit's happening and there's hysteria in the town and you have all these characters and the politics. It just, there's some acting and I don't know. It, it's not quite as immersive during the first half as it is. You said acting, but did you mean acting? (laughs) I did. And I didn't, I, I mean, I mean, I mean like 75% of acting. If that makes sense. (laughs) It doesn't, but okay. Okay. Mark. We're just talking nonsense. I gave it a 10. I touched on this one in what the movie is right. I think both halves of this movie build a phenomenally interesting world. I love looking. I love just kind of like inserting myself into Amity and seeing the chaos of just the tourism in that town coupled with the terror of a shark attack. And then on the second half, you have, I mean, the, the trio of gentlemen forming these bonds and hunting a shark. All of that together creates an incredibly immersive experience. There are a few things you could knock it for here and there as far as like like Jake brought up the the sound, the spoken dialogue not quite matching people's mouths moving or whatever, but all that stuff's pretty fucking minor. This is an incredibly watchable movie. Yeah, yeah, I give it an eight uh, for world building and immersion. And uh, I mean, some of it is from some of the sound stuff you talked about earlier, Mark, in terms of you can just notice when it's not happening directly on screen, but... Man, it's fucking fantastic, and it builds builds a hell of a world for Yamity. is a great, great little town, and even when they're on the sea, it does, unlike a lot of nautical movies, it feels like they're isolated on the sea, uh, yeah. which I think it deserves a lot of credit for. Uh, now, so Jack, I'm, Jack, before we move on, um, okay. do you care to do you care to guess what you gave Immersion last time? I have literally no idea. Maybe a six. I'm hoping. <laughs> You gave it a four, dude. Damn it. I don't know why. <laughs> Fuck. Jesus. That's Wait, a weird a one. Four. That's a, a bad for score. Did, it, did I have a reason for that? I must have had a reason for that. I'd have to dig up the... I just... I'm looking at the review document. I'll have to go back and look in the live review we have on the website. I'm sure it's on there. Fuck. That was a very Give stupid take Give me a moment. I'll me. pull it that up. That was a very, very stupid take by me. <laughs> um, uh, scare Factor is our third category. Jake, what is your Scare Factor score? This one's super weird. Like, 
when I watch this movie, I'm not scared by it, but I am fully able to appreciate what this has done <laughs> for generations of people. Like, and including myself, like, I'm not going to lie. When I go to a pool as a kid, like, I think Jaws. I go past five foot deep. I'm like, damn, it's a little deeper. Maybe Jaws is down here. Like, that shit that's totally <laughs> irrational crosses your mind. It's in your DNA, and man. that is so effective that I, I'm i going to guess. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to guess. I, I No, I'm not going to guess. I know that this is higher than whatever I gave it four years ago. I'm going to give this a seven and a half, which feels extraordinarily high. But what this does after the credits roll for a long period of time, how it affects your psyche, vastly outweighs like what it punches during the movie itself. Fair enough. Mark, how about you? I agree with Jake. This basically is step for by by the way, Jake, for the record, you gave it a six and a half last time. So you're okay. Whole point that's up. pretty high, actually. I'm surprised by how high that was. Um I, this establishes a fear that you otherwise may not have had. And I did that yeah. to not only a generation of people, but multiple generations of people. It did it to my parents and it did it to me. And it will probably do it to my kids for when ever, I have everyone. Them. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> this is the movie you show to people before they go to the beach just to fuck with them. Because when a piece of seaweed touches your foot, you think you're about to be eaten by a shark. So, yeah, yep. seven. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give this movie a five uh, for a scare factor. I think it is It is certainly scary. It's, it's not a fear to which I'm particularly prone. I think just because I think everything in the ocean is, like, terrifying. And this isn't like a the last a phobia movie where it intellectually makes me very scared like this is a movie where you could like not go hunt the shark and you'll be 100 percent safe and that's very clear from the filmmaking so you never really feel like i i never feel like i would be at danger while i'm watching this movie but it is very scary and uh yeah but but all just conceptually so i'm giving it a five um it's gonna take us into our next category which is effects or judicious lack thereof jake I'm going to go eight and a half. Uh, okay. Very, very good looking movie. Wow. It, what? Wow high? Wow yeah, low. I don't know, man. It's good. <laughs> you don't know. Just wow. Just wow. Just wow. I, He's still look, deciding I mean, on what his what his actual rating is. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is a movie that looks really good, and I kind of want to think about, like, they built this fucking huge-ass mechanical shark. Yeah, it's it caused some problems, but it also... Like, this is, I, I can't go off book here. Like, this is what we recommend you do as a, a an outfit at A to Z Horror. Like, go to the effort of making something, and that is your art form in the movie. Like, Bruce is a fucking legend, dude. Yeah. He doesn't always look the best. He caused some problems. Uh, for the most part, it, it paid off. Eight and a half. Yeah, okay. Mark, what about you? I also went eight and a half, actually. I The biggest thing I'm docking oh, for- Oh, the noise, the sound. The music, Jesus Christ. Sorry, go ahead. Also Jeez. music. The noise, okay. the sound, the music. <laughs> I, with that yeah. incredibly well thought out addition, I don't have anything to add to why this movie is great. Um, but the only thing I'm really docking it for here is I'm not 100% positive that the tiger shark they had wasn't just a tiger shark that they killed. And, it was. Uh, That'd be a so good that's effect. A, just a real tiger shark that they killed. I mean, that I don't sucks, like that. but that's a good effect. <laughs> they f- no, it was. There's like a whole bit about how they like flew it up from Florida, and by the time they got it there, it was like mostly rotting and shit. So it was like super disgusting to be around. Okay, well, I'm still not in favor of using killing animals for dead movies. animals. I don't know if they did it for the movie or if they bought it as one that had been killed. I don't know. Well, in Either any way, case, not that's great. The stance I'm taking here. 
I gave it a seven. I agree with that stance. That's good. Don't I, kill animals for movies. I ever. gave it a seven. Uh, the the music is fantastic. The animatronic shark is fantastic. The rest of the stuff is is fine, and there are also some scenes where, like like I talked about earlier, where the boat just isn't moving at all that were filmed in a swimming pool, and also some other scenes where the background is painted, like there's a nice clouded background, and it just isn't moving at all, and you, you need it to be moving like at least a little bit for you to not think it's painted but um and mark like you said some rough adr but uh it's it's very good so yeah let's move on to overall jake oh we've been doing this for a long time you guys you gave it an eight last time i did did i yeah hmm i'm not giving it eight this time we've reviewed what hundreds of movies now i think that's safe to say something like that and I think there's something to be said for a movie that can be as effective across generations as this is, and a movie that can be as effective for people who are both whore nuts, like I think we have to be at this point, considering what we do, and people who don't even proclaim to be horror movie lovers, like Mark, I think you said it earlier in the episode, there are people that are like, oh, like that can't be a horror movie, like I know that movie, I love that movie, blah, blah, blah. This is a 10. Hell, this movie's a ten. Yeah, dude. it's higher than any of the Jake, parts you... that it is. This is the first perfect score I've ever given. This yeah, is as as that's Jake's get. first ten. It finally like the, a movie does. If a movie deserves this, this is the movie. Hell yeah! I mean, yeah. as the self-proclaimed Jaws guy, I'm glad that you finally self-actualized and got there. <laughs> Thanks Mark, for your you give it begrudging. Overall? I don't know that that you feel like the disappointed dad. Uh, how long it's taken or something. I'm, I'm I'm proud of you, but I'm disappointed it's taken you this long. <laughs> it's only been six years, buddy, or whatever, four <laughs> years, five years. Time Christ, it can't cycle. have been six years. My God. It's been five. Yeah, it hasn't been. It has. It's it, it will have been five in a couple months. It hasn't been six, but it also hasn't been a distressing amount away from six. It's true. This movie's ten. Mark, I'll go now. Um, I, you know what? Yeah, we don't need to make this too much of an academic exercise. This is one of the best movies ever made. It's a ten. I, whatever. Why? Why are we splitting hairs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Jack giving Will. it a nine. It's uh, it's fucking fantastic. It's not a ten for me. It's not one of the all time hits for me. It's fantastically enjoyable, but it's just not one that like is on my most affecting horror movies of all time list. So it's a nine instead of a ten. But it's fucking fantastic. It's a great movie. And uh, look, the thumbs up, thumbs down segment on this one is hard stupid. thumbs down. <laughs> okay, Mark, defend that position. I, it's you know, uh, I'd rather watch Deep Blue Sea. You know, <laughs> hey, I will. This movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test. There you go. Yeah, it's not great gender politics. Not great on the racism front. I don't know why I'm <laughs> shit talking this movie. It's one of the best of all time. Whatever. It's, it's a thumbs up. It's obviously a thumbs up. Yeah, this movie's fucking fantastic. It's so good. It's so fun. It's legendarily great. Jake. Uh, I mean, I gave it a ten. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I said that. The, yeah, I, I yeah. think a ten pretty much very universally recommendable. I'd be very interested to see giving a ten to a movie and giving it a thumbs down. Yeah. I get you would have to be pulling the hard like this is the perfect synopsis of or the perfect encapsulation of what I want out of a movie, but no one else would want it because it's so specific. It's like I mean, the only avenue you could take. I, I could see it like almost legitimately happening with From Dusk Till Dawn, which is a very specific movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
True. And also, I would one I would Jake still not give, give from Dust Till Dawn a ten though. Well, right, but that's but but that's like, kind of the type of movie it would have to be is. Yeah, it, it, you're right, absolutely right. It would like in my heart from Dust Till Dawn does a lot of things that are ten worthy, but like I understand that movie's not a ten, so I can't give it a ten in the rating system. That's perfect, and then I also wouldn't recommend it to a whole lot of people. So yes, you're right. There you go. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Oh, but wait, let's not. Oh, there's shit. more. Shit. Oh, but wait, there's more. We got a fully loaded episode for you. We are out of movies to watch. And by out of, I mean there's still a plethora of movies out there to watch. We just need to pick which ones we're going to watch. <laughs> we just don't have any more on the schedule. Yeah, there you go. All right, so let's do another draft here. And uh, look, we're going to take Patreon picks on the next round. But this one, we're just doing three movies from each of us here. Back to that basics. Damn yeah. right. Larry ruined that one with Orgy. Yeah, Larry, you really fucked it up, noted pervert. You got to take a break. Everybody's got to take a breather because of your bullshit. <laughs> All right, boys, so what are we watching? How do we want to start this? Who wants to go first? Why don't you go first, Jack? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I'm starting with a... And, and I was just looking at my list here. None of these are fun summer movies, even though they were in the fun summer era. So what the I'm hell, just, dude? Fair warning on that one. I'm did starting... you say era? Hold on. Did you say era? <laughs> Ah, uh, fuck. I mean, the fun uh, summer era. In, in, in a period of history, so boozy. We have entered summer's dominion. In a period <laughs> of history where time has virtually no meaning, I am willing to entertain the concept of a summer being an entire era. That's fine. It's gonna fucking feel like it at the end of all this shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Look, I picked the Changeling for my first flick from 1980. A classic ghost movie. This is another one my dad showed to me, and I'm very excited to talk about it with you boys. I'd be surprised if either of you had seen it. But uh, it's kind of that like classic ghost movie I like from the 60s, but extended into the 80s a little bit. Meaning there's more goo? Uh, I don't, don't want to spoil any of that for you. Yeah, we'll get there, I'm sure. The goo <laughs> okay. will come up later. <laughs> The goo will come up later. Mark, hit us with your pick, guy. Okay, I will go sort of summer blockbuster style with it. I think this movie actually technically came out in March, but whatever, I'm pushing it. This was my favorite movie of the year 2018. Oh, you son of a bitch. And I wanted a good, like, monster movie. This is, I think, whatever, I don't want to get too far into our review already, but (sighs) this is a pretty good movie, but I think we're going to have a lot to say about it. We're going to watch A Quiet Place. God damn it, this is on my list, too. You stupid asshole, it's such a good pick. (laughs) I want to take a dive into Quiet Place 2 and just see what the hell happened with that thing, because it was quiet when it came out. You some bitch, what a good pick. What a good pick you had there. I got to come up with something else. Good pick, Mark. Jake, that leaves us uh, uh, on your porch. Wow, interesting. I'll, I'll get the one that there's no mystery behind out of the way then. Summer Bangers, I said I would do it. I'll make it on the promise. Neither of you have seen it still for some stupid reason, so let's just do it, Midsommar. Hell so yeah, Midsommar. okay. Let's try to negotiate it to where we're reviewing Midsommar closest to Midsommar. <laughs> on a reality. solstice? Put it late. Put it late in the crop. Okay, as close to the solstice as possible. Mm-hmm. 100%. All right, that's going to bring it around to me again. And uh, look, it's been long enough. We're going to have to review this flick at some point. We're going to review Martyrs. The original French extremism one, not the American remake. Absolutely, the original Martyrs. I was waiting for you to pick this one because you're the only one that was going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to review Martyrs, finally. 
I actually am really appreciative of this. This has been on my list to watch for a long time, but I didn't really want to review it. So good. It's not fun, but it's cool. a it's a movie we're gonna watch and review. You didn't want to review it, or you didn't want to? I know. Yeah. Okay. I you wanted to, to see it? it so that I could have it under my belt. I don't really know anything about this movie. I just know that it's like one of those. <laughs> uh, Mark oh. wants to have seen it. He doesn't want to necessarily see it, but he wants to have seen it. Yeah. There are a lot yeah. of movies yeah. like that for me. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Having seen it, yeah, that's a totally different experience than seeing it. Yeah, exactly. Mark, what's your uh, second pick? Uh, my second pick is one that has been at the front of my mind since I watched Ganji Haunted Asylum a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I just kind of wanted to go back to the the OG summer hunting ghost type movie. I want to watch Grave Encounters. Hell yeah, Grave Encounters. <laughs> Let's do it. Yay! That was on my list, too. Fuck yeah. Yes. When you talked about Gonjim, I put Grave Encounters on my list. So yeah. I'm happy I, I, have to pick I it. mean, whatever. <laughs> Again, not wanting to spoil the reviews for that, but I love that movie, and I um, I really want to talk with you guys about it. Grave Encounters <laughs> would actually be, I mean, that'd be a pretty good one for fall, too, though, dude. Okay, hold on. Let me cross it off the list, then. I got others. I'm yeah. kidding. We're watching Grave Encounters. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake? <laughs> Let me take that away from you. Um, You know, you know who I love? Elijah Wood. <laughs> I thought Not about much doing of a, pause a thing. There. I, 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 yeah, you're right. I paused before, and then I gave you the whole thought. <laughs> I pitched a thing, listener, to these guys in the chat a while ago that was like, we should have like it doesn't matter, but pick your own theme for your for your like movies that you're gonna pick in this round. We didn't end up doing that, but I was considering that because I was thinking about just picking three Elijah Wood horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do at on least brand one thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do at least one and this is the one. We're going to watch Maniac. Oh shit. Okay, which I have not seen. I like the pick, but I I wanted I was like not sure if I wanted to do one that he was in versus one that was just like part of Spectre Vision cuz I was thinking about doing a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and I was like, oh, I'll go with the one with him in it. So, Hell yeah! yeah. Okay. Although Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is a is pretty solid. Yeah, if you, if you haven't sure. seen it. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, boys. My uh, my next pick is a dark one. It's uh, oh, your first one wasn't. No, 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 no. Nothing. Nothing's been dark until now. Uh, Jesus Christ! This is this is the first film in Lars von Trier's Depression trilogy. Um, I've picked a little flick called Antichrist from 2006 here for my last pick. That's your second of three picks. Three? No, is that no, three? No, that's picks? his third pick. That's my oh, third. Oh, you were the three. first one. Yeah. What was your first pick? The Changeling. The Changeling. The Changeling. Buddy. Martyrs. Oh, thank God you picked the Changeling, dude. I only remember Martyrs, and I was like Martyrs and Antichrist. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Well, I might what? have had a quiet place in there if Mark hadn't robbed it from me. I see. I see. I see. Oh, I dude, see. I didn't realize you were going to take us to such a fucking dark place. Like, wh- <laughs> what? What? What is going on with you right now? Though? Nothing we good. Just, Things aren't good. I Mark. mean, two two bad. months of fucking quarantine. <laughs> I mean, do you have to ask? <laughs> good lord. Okay. Cool. We got to pull up the fucking tailspin here, Mark. How about a fun one? So, well, I think this is going to be a fun one. To be honest with you, I don't know. Congo? Um, I have really been enjoying this thing oh, where wait. you go in blind. I know this movie has a cult following, and I don't really know all that much else about it. This one might be a surprising one to you guys that I've never seen before. And I don't yeah. know if this is a summer movie. I know it's sort of vaguely monsterish, but uh, let's watch Dog Soldiers. 
Oh, oh shit! Nice, yes, dude. good pick. Nice. I mean, it's That's not super so fun, but it's a okay, great cool. pick. Cool. Yeah, I've I've only heard of it and never read much about it. Great pick. Hell yeah, Jake. What are we What are we closing out with? Yeah, not necessarily on timeline wise, but in terms of picks, we're gonna close out on. I had a couple picks here. I'm trying to pull it up, make it a little more fun. I think I'm gonna go in the avenue of we haven't watched an anthology in a while Ooh. for the for the podcast. That's true. And I'm gonna, there's one that has been in my mind for some reason for a little bit, and it we at least Mark and I watched it. It's been a couple of years though. The dark tapes. Oh shit! I want to go back and take another look oh, at that shit. one. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, it's like been cropped. Like I've been thinking about it. And it's like, it it surprised me. Like, I had low expectations when I first went in. It surprised me, but I haven't thought about it. And then I have no clue why, but I've been thinking about it lately. So let's just watch, let's watch that one. It's an anthology. Let's see how it is. Man, I, like I haven't seen that. I'm excited. Had some cool monster masks in it. Okay, so to recap, we got The Changeling, A Quiet Place, Midsommar, Martyrs, the French one, not the remake, Grave Encounters, Maniac, Antichrist, Dog Soldiers, and The Dark Tapes. Hell like yeah. It. That's a list. That's a list right there. Yeah, when you aren't just thinking about Jax in a vacuum, it's not as dark as it, it seems <laughs> a minute ago. But it is decidedly tinted darker. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've all had some experiences lately. <laughs> Everything's great. Yeah. Everything's going great for me. We're fine, I think. Maybe. Should we leave? Can we leave? Yeah, let's please? get yes. the fuck out of here. Yeah. Long enough. Oh, my God. This has been episode 184 of the A to Z Horrorcast. To check out everything we have going on, head on over to A to Z Horror.com or come hang out with us on any of our social media channels. Those are Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All those links are right down there in the description below. And as Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, now is probably the best time ever to become a Patreon member if you're still here hanging out with us because for the next three months at least, we are going to be donating 100% of our Patreon proceeds to Feeding America. That means you get the great content that you could get. Go ahead and take a look. Patreon link's down there in the description below at what all the tiers will get you. Guess what? You'll get that, and then all the money is going to Feeding America, so you can rest easy with peace of mind. That's going to a good cause, because that's what really needs it right now, not our Yahoo operation over here. As always, the music has been coming at you from Super Bear. Guess what? There are links down there in the description below as well, if you're not already versed at that at this point. And next week, let's kick it off. We're going to go with Jack's first pick. It's going to be the Changeling from 1980. Hell yeah. And that's coming at you one week from today-ish. We'll see how it goes. Weird times, y'all. Until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some horror movies. Have a great weekish, everybody. Why? Why am I here? I was here for the slot canyons.